This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. You used one word on me. You know, and I thought about, I said, well, that's just one word. And I thought, have we ever done just one word before? Probably. Mm -hmm. Probably. You want me to go through and look at them? I think last week was sin. This week's more fun. This week is enlightenment. I've been sin all week, and it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what? I did not mean that the way it sounded. Everybody who's listening, I didn't mean it that way. Just... It's not as bad as people. Never mind. Let's just talk about enlightenment. Right. Yeah. Listen to last week's episode, and we'll talk about enlightenment. So enlightenment is another one of those really fun ones, because it means different things and is perceived differently by different people. And I jokingly said to you, do you know what to do if you meet somebody who tells you that they're enlightened? And the answer is to run away as quickly as you can, because people who are actually enlightened don't really talk about it. It's when their friends tell you that they're enlightened or their group of followers sees them as being enlightened and then it becomes common knowledge, then those are the way showers and the avatars and the people who are enlightened who are going to demonstrate and show us something, maybe, maybe teach us something, or at least let us learn something. But man, if somebody comes in saying that they're enlightened, it is a sales pitch. Yeah, I'm enlightened. I don't think you are. If you were enlightened, you wouldn't have to say it. I'd love to ask those people, what do you mean by that? You know, when they say that they're enlightened? When I became aware of it, feels like eons ago, I wanted to know, how do I get enlightened? And when will I know that I'm enlightened? And what I need to do? And my answer to everything is, you got to study and learn about it. And then you've That's got what you to gotta work. You, you love to work. To learn about it. And so whatever I read, I go back a step. Like whatever I read and the person recommended or said they read this, I read that. So you could go back forever and ever, which is a wonderful thing. But you have to wonder if you ever get the answer, you have to get the answer for yourself. So I hear this a lot and broadcasts and podcasts, you know, people are enlightened and I go, well, what is that? I have my opinion, but I want to ask you because you're the genius. So (laughs) when somebody claims that for themselves to run away and let me change that. Enlightened is something that we are all striving toward in our own way, and it's a path. And the reason for the joke is if somebody tells you that they're enlightened, what they're saying is that they have been climbing this path of enlightenment, and they've reached the top of the mountain, and they're standing there, and they're owning it. The fact is we're all on a spiritual journey of enlightenment. So I can look at Carol, and Carol can look at me, and know that we're each more enlightened than we used to be. We are on that path 
toward enlightenment or of continued enlightenment, even though we haven't reached the destination yet. And that's just fine. We are on our way and we're climbing. Spiritual growth and enlightenment is about a mountain. And we are all climbing up the mountain and we're all taking different paths up the mountain and different religions have different paths or different sides of the mountain, but it's the same mountain. And eventually when we get to the top, it's the same place for everyone. And the people who have climbed the mountain, who are at the top or near the top, they can't really explain to us how they did it because somewhere along the path of enlightenment, it goes from being an action step to a feeling step to a faith step to a believing step or so I understand it. And they're much less interested in explaining to other people how they did it other than to encourage them up the mountain as well. Don't follow my footsteps. <laughs> mm, and when you were going through the steps and I thought about how you say, I don't have a problem with work. I like work or that's my idea. I was thinking that's a lot of work. It's a lot. And I don't see that as real hard work. It's just becoming. To me, it's setting your intention to become the best you that is possible to be. And that changes by the day because we do the best we can with what we've got available to, at, available to us at the time. So I may not be as enlightened today as I was yesterday. <laughs> the circumstances may be different. So it's one of those things that I kind of, and listen to me say this, I'm talking about, you know, I'm a person that believes in work, but I don't think you can work and do it. It's about growth and the evolving of your awareness of things and a broader awareness of things because people can be aware in a box and they're just aware of everything that's in that box and assume that that's all there is. But just being aware of more, you're enlightened every day. Is there a peak, a plateau, you know, so that you say, I am enlightened? I don't know about that. Well, the stories that we've heard about the enlightened beings, you know, they spend a fair amount of their time meditating and in prayer and in service and perhaps doing some teaching. And the more enlightened they get, the less involved they want to be with day-to-day -day life and the more they just want to be meditating. So I'm tired of the teaching and I want to just meditate and be. And you know, gurus are that way. They're being tended to by their followers and they're able to spend their time doing their guru stuff without being distracted by the mundane stuff in the world around them. And that's kind of awesome. It's less and less likely that they're going to be able to tell us how they got there or how we're going to be able to get there, which I think is probably why religions get made up and named after these really enlightened avatars, the Buddha and Jesus and Moses and Muhammad. They're the ones who invented religions because they were so connected. People around them really knew what was going on. And they said, ooh, he's doing it right. Let's follow his footsteps and thinking that if we put our feet in the same positions that we're going to get to the same place that the master got. And we might, or we might not, but it's not going to be because we're putting our feet that way. It's because moving our feet that way and allowing our consciousness to grow is what lets that new level of consciousness in. So the way you described it, I'm probably not there yet with my understanding of it, because I can imagine being tired or not interested in the stuff around us, the world, right? I am embarrassingly not interested <laughs> in so much you would have no idea. But it's a little embarrassing to say because that's not the acceptable attitude to have. However, it just went out there in the cyberspace that Carol has little interest in a lot of things. 
So does that mean that I'm enlightened? Well, according to your definition, I would have to say no, because I haven't lost my desire or energy to give or to serve. I'm wondering if that's a place to be. If I'm so deep and in the space of knowing that I can't give and share and help others get to that place, if I can be so arrogant as to say that I am at that place, I'm not sure that I even want that. And you're working your program. There are things that are attracting your attention that you are putting your all into. And there are other things that attract other people's attention and has no interest for you because it's not feeding what your soul is looking for. And that's just fine. You know, you talk about doing the work. I used to have a pretty consistent meditative practice. It was mostly every day. And then some number of years ago, I found an app that seemed to fit in with what I wanted to kind of practice I wanted to do. And it lets you set a timer. And this is how long I'm going to meditate for today. And it's called Cleverly Insight Timer, which you've probably heard of. So I started doing my 15-minute daily meditation on Insight Timer. And my commitment was, I'm just going to do 15 minutes on Insight Timer. And I started doing that. And I did it every day. And I did it every day for the better part of a year. And then I missed a day. And I was very sad because I didn't want to admit that I'd missed a day. But I also knew that I really didn't want to claim that I did a meditation that I didn't. So I started over again. And it's about just doing the work about being present and being persistent because now my insight timer is now 1,780 days in a row. And that's since the day that I missed. There's another couple hundred on top of that that I know of for myself. And it's not that day number 2,000 is going to be any different or any more spectacular than day number 14, but that's the consistency. And along the way, things change. I can listen to tracks on Insight Timer if I want to, or I can listen to music and I can change the background music. And it's gotten to the point where I just turn the timer on and I don't have the background sound going at all. So it's just me and waiting for the gong to ring. And that's the place where I can be centered and peaceful. And then I notice from day to day that sometimes I'm really in the groove. I'm just so present and in that meditative space. And other days that my laundry list goes through my head like one of those little wind tunnel machines where they put the contestant in and try and grab the $1 bills. <laughs> Just swirling all over the place <laughs> and won't stop. And sometimes I fall asleep and I can congratulate myself or beat myself up for any of those or not. The important part for me is that I stay at it and 15 minutes or however much additional it's going to be, I get up and I go about my day and the next day I do it again. That's what I'm talking about, about being on the path and taking the steps. It's about consistency because I was, while you were, when you first introduced the thought of it, the timer and all of that, I read every, every morning and um, I have a pretty disciplined practice. <laughs> when you say pretty disciplined practice, other people would think of that as being in a lockstep. Yeah, well, it works. <laughs> and it works so much that when I'm out of step, it feels like my life isn't working, you know, and I'll look back and say, wait a minute, I am not, maybe it's a gauge. I use to pour myself in step. But anyway, I also use ebooks. So Amazon tells me how many days I've read and mm -hmm. they'll even have prizes and whatever. And, and in the beginning, I was feeling really good because I was slamming. I was getting prizes. I was getting money. And uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> they were giving me three dollars. It may have been but 300,000. I got three dollars to go get another book or put on another book. And then after a while, that the prizes and so forth really weren't the thing. Like I still rack them up because 
that's part of <laughs> that's what well, you do. You know, you're in it and they send you an email and sometimes often I miss I don't know how many points I have and I've missed the money because you gotta buy a book by such and such time. But as soon as I released myself from having to do it and looking for the number and just this is what I do. It became a part of my life. And I call it a discipline practice because I want me to remember that that's what I do. Maybe it's a play on words for me. But I do that. And there have been times when my world isn't, or if there's an interruption in that, I'll blame the interruption <laughs> for, you know, my world not being, listen, you got to get back to this so you can see where you're going. Maybe yes, maybe no. You know, but that's part of my little journey toward enlightenment. I don't know if I'll get there because I'm not sure if there is a there to get to. It's where you are and being progressively moving and being better. And I say that word better, but being better than before you knew, before you were aware of certain things. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Let's take a break and we get to continue by talking about where we are on the path and what the next step is. Is Reverend Bill letting you know that the Practical Prayer for Real Results class is now available on demand? That's right. You can take it at your own pace anytime you want. All of the information is at bethelight.com. That's b-the-light.com. You know where to find that stuff. The class is five lessons broken down into 18 modules, and you can take them at whatever pace is comfortable for you. As you work through the process, it starts out with the theory, goes into the practice. There are experiential activities and exercises. And at the end of the program, you will wind up with an understanding of how practical prayer works and a practical prayer for yourself that will work to create transformation in your life. And as you know, it works for everything. Take a look at the class online at bethelight.com. There's a sample lesson so you can see how the class is going to work for you and then dive in. The great news is it's on sale now. You can register and save $20 off of the regular price. I'm looking forward to seeing you in class. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And we're talking about enlightenment today. And the part that, that I want to get to is being gentle and uplifting with ourselves. And this is a lesson that I learned completely by mistake. And at this point, it's got to be 20 years ago. And I'd spent a lot of my life being a perfectionist and being quite brash and arrogant, which I'm still able to channel, thank goodness. But I found myself at the convenience store at the Wawa, getting a huge soda. And at that point, the sodas that I was getting were just club soda with lemon juice in them. And rather than big syrupy Coca-Colas and whatever, and it was huge. It was 32 or 48 ounces or whatever it was. And I, I carried it over to the counter and I was holding it by the top and the top fell off and the whole soda hit the counter and then tipped over into the cashier's area and made a big flood. And I said, wow, I wish that hadn't happened. And then I noticed that I had said to myself and actually out loud to the cashier, I wish that hadn't happened. Whereas previously I would have been yelling and screaming and angry and blaming and beating myself up. And instead what I did is I wish that hadn't happened. And it was completely true 
and it was so much gentler than I normally would be with myself. And I had to look back at that, like, where'd that come from? What happened to the obnoxious guy who would have been having a hissy fit in the past? And my conclusion is that because I was continually focusing on using my language clearly and accurately and being unattached and letting go of blame and expectations and assumptions that it put me in the space when something happened that I didn't want to have happen, I didn't overreact. Mm -hmm. And the cashier says, yeah, this happens three or four times a day. Don't worry about it. And she had a towel back there and she mopped it up and away they went. And we had a little conversation about how nice it was that it was club soda with lemon juice in it rather than something disgusting. Let's skip the disgusting, but I know what that feels like. Let me use this example. This is perfect. I listen sometimes to the podcasts, you know, just to see how it went and so forth. And I watch that sometimes my language or my communication is not smooth. And I'm saying like, why is that, Lawrence? You were at the microphone for 30 years. <laughs> Formerly, before that, you know, you've been at the microphone for all those many years. Why is it your podcast communication is not always smooth? And it's because I'm very careful with my words because I know that I've come from the side of the street where everything is harshly judgmental. And I mm -hmm. always want to make sure that I'm not saying or doing or conveying that kind of idea. And I'm really aware of it because I know in your subconscious, there's stuff that creeps up and I don't want mm. anything to creep up that I really don't mean anymore. So I find myself thinking, thinking, thinking before I say a word and it comes out a little choppy. And I thought, well, you got to fix that. And then I thought, no, I don't because no, you don't. I know why I'm doing that. I don't want to hurt anybody. I look back over my career and as much as I think I've helped and been a positive influence on people, and thank you for those who say that, I also know that I said some things and pushed some ideas that were not helpful before I was enlightened. <laughs> 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 so you got a little bit of enlightenment here and then some here and some there and all of that. But that's very important to me. So when I'm listening to what you said, then I'm on a good track. Because this is the space I am in this journey, and I know now what I didn't know before about a few things. So that's enlightenment, right? That's right. That is your path up the mountain. That's the way that you're getting to that. And that's a wonderful guidepost. If I ever find myself saying something that I say a lot, I immediately examine it. Okay, is that actually what I mean? Are those words conveying what I mean or what I thought I meant when I first started saying it? And in some cases, I have completely changed the way that I engage with the world because no, what I was doing is not what I thought I was doing. I was saying things that were misguided to begin with and misguiding this to just continuing along. So there is always that opportunity, that invitation to examine ourselves, to look at what it is that we're saying, because that's where the first change happens. When you've been saying something for a long time and you start thinking about what you're talking about. And I mean, and that's what you're doing, because the reason you're sounding choppy, in, in my opinion, is because you're having every conversation at least twice. There's a the thing you initially think about saying, and then there's the other thing that you think you want to say instead. And then you compare those two and you say, hmm, that's different. And it takes a little time to do that. And it makes it a little bit choppy. I'm going to say it's not easy, but it's something I would do. I do it because I really, really want to do that. I really, really want to do that. And it means the world to me. 
I'm in, listen to this. This is crazy, but the way I'm saying it's crazy. Like I'm in conversation with James Allen. Story for another time, but I'm in conversation with James Allen. And this guy, I had to consider the time of his writing, but this guy throws the word sin around like crazy. And I'm thinking, come on, James, I can't, (laughs) I cannot do this if you're going to keep saying this word sin. And to me, it's worth taking the time to unravel and to figure out what he means and what he would say today instead. It's a good work to do because so many that one word, not just sin, we talked about that last week, but there are others, I'm sure that have a little connotation, little stuff, little baggage that comes with it that could be very destructive to people and hinder their journey to enlightenment also. It's hard work, but you know what? I feel like it's my work to do because I'm privileged to know this. I remember when I was in the very, very first class for practical prayer and we got to the gratitude step and I'm thinking, okay, so I got to be grateful for, and your explanation was so empowering to me. You said the gratitude does not have to be about the subject of the prayer. The gratitude can be about anything, anything. And that just changed my whole world. You have no idea, just those few words, because that gratitude that you feel at that moment is absolutely eternally good in all situations, no matter what's going on. And it made everything different. So I'm not going to go on that rabbit trail. But the thing about enlightenment, it's that I get to a certain place and I'm so grateful that I know that this work for me to do to make sure that my language is clean and life-giving and not death-dealing language, I am grateful that I live long enough to get to the place to know that there is a difference. And I've said to spirit, however anybody believes it, I really want to live long enough to appreciate this, what I have discovered more, because I live so long in the other place. You know, really, no disrespect, but I'm so grateful to know this. If you say it's a level of enlightenment, okay, fine. I'm grateful to have had a couple of steps toward enlightenment and that's how I see it. It's like an ongoing journey. I don't think I can get to the place where I would say I am enlightened. I guess that's cool. You know, maybe when you described it like gurus and stuff, well, I guess, well, maybe if I get to that place, then I can say I'm enlightened and I don't want to. But right now I can't see not serving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's perfectly, perfectly reasonable and continue doing that. And the people who are particularly enlightened, who I've come across. And like I said, there have been a few of them. They tend to hang around with people who call them enlightened and they don't disagree. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Why is an enlightened guru? And they start to, you know, been introduced and they start talking. They know who they're talking about and okay, that's what you're going to call me. That's fine. But they're not printing a business card to say enlightened guru and trying to get themselves booked on podcasts and TV shows to speak on behalf of enlightened gurus everywhere. That's not what the gig is. It's about being present in our own spiritual journey. The Buddha say, before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. So the thing that changes is the enlightenment. Let's do another break. And I want to do a prayer on the path of enlightenment. Not the path to enlightenment, but the path of enlightenment. Because I think there's a difference. 
learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, having a great conversation. Yeah, we've been talking about enlightenment. And the big takeaway for me is that there's a difference between being enlightened and being on the path to enlightenment. And when it comes to enlightenment, we're all either on the path or at the very least have the opportunity to be on the path. There are times when the path to enlightenment has been illuminated before me and I have been steadfastly looking in a different direction. Once I started to take this seriously, however, I started focusing on my own consciousness and uplifting my consciousness and being in that more loving, harmonious, enlightened space. And it's kind of addictive because it makes everything else in my life easier and more fun and more enjoyable and less worrisome. And so sign me up and keep going. It's a path that's successful, that's effective, that's what's working for me. Even though I have no commitment to reaching the top of the mountain at the point where I am enlightened and have no further room to grow or to evolve in consciousness, that's to me not the point. If it happened, would I be would I be okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I would take that avatar level enlightenment, but that's not why I'm doing it, and that's not what the prayer is about. The prayer today is about being where we are on our conscious journey or our journey in consciousness on the path of enlightenment and taking the next step to allow the practice that we're involved in to bring us a greater awareness of that infinite truth. And the infinite truth is really simple. We can say it very simply. There is one power, love, intelligence, or force that creates everything, including each of us. And as we become even more fully aware of that one, we have the opportunity to live our lives as an expression of that one. If that's all there is, then that's what we are. And the experience of enlightenment, the path of enlightenment, is becoming more and more aware of that. So in this prayer, we can close our eyes and turn our attention away from everything else, all the details in the world around us. Yes, they are there. Yes, they are relevant. They are important. It is nice to know where the car is parked and what our home address is and where we left the car keys. All of that stuff is really important. And it's just details. All of it, including us, is that one divine presence taking its own particular form. There is only the one. Call it spirit, call it God, call it nature, call it 
the big happy coincidence, whatever it is, there is one big happy coincidence that has been unfolding and revealing and evolving and expressing itself in different ways for as long as there has been awareness. That one is sharing itself right here and right now as each of us individually and as all of us together. That limitless good that exists everywhere is available to each of us. That awareness of the truth of the love that we are is available to each of us in an even richer, fuller, and more vibrant way. So the process of stepping into that higher awareness, of allowing our consciousness to evolve to that next highest level, that is the path of enlightenment. It is not a destination, it is a journey. And that feeling of knowing, of connection with the infinite, knowing that we are not just expressions of it, but we are it in expression. We are that divine power and presence taking form right here and now. And our path of enlightenment is more fully owning that truth, more clearly, more honestly, more joyously in every moment. And that good that's always available continues to flow into our lives. We can block it, we can stop it, we can turn away from it, but as we open to it, it is there. And that path of enlightenment is always available and we are free to take that next step and that next step and that next step. So I know that we're each letting loose our attention, our concern for how long it's gonna to take to get to the end of this path. This, it's the walk in the path. It's doing the steps. That's the important part. And each one is taking the next step, doing what's ours to do, letting go of what has turned out to no longer serve us and to invite in that experience of enlightenment more richly and fully with every moment and every breath. And that infinite creative power that creates everything, that divine mind that knows everything, that one presence that shares itself as everything and as each of us is responding now. It is moving us along the path. It is opening up new possibilities and the love is at hand. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the way this is happening. I'm grateful for the uplift that each one of us is experiencing. And I'm grateful to be able to speak this word and release it into that same creative law that's created everything to know it's now creating this next newness for each of us. And so with this deep feeling of thanks, I speak this word and I release it into that creative law. And I know without any question whatsoever that this is already underway. It is already so. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.